Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. If you listen to 3CR, it's so no where you are. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. We'll check out the happy vibe. We're gonna ring up and subscribe. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. What? Who the hell is that? Clap your hands. What are you talking about? I ain't no elephant. Get out of here. This is handmade radio. Fellas, you're under arrest. What do I do? Um, call a lawyer. Hello, Fitzroy Legal Service. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you are arrested, you should make a no-comment interview. A no-comment interview? Yeah. Well, how do I do that? You say... No, no comment. comment! To everything? Yes, except your name and address. Every other question you should answer with no comment. So if he asks me what colour my shoes are, I say no comment? Yes, you say... No, no comment. comment! To everything? Yes. Say no, no comment. comment. If you are arrested, exercise your right to contact a lawyer and say no comment. It's for legal service proudly supporting 3CR. Hi, you're listening to Crank the Air on 3CR radio. That's 855 on AM dial with J and T. And we've got a lot of things packed up for you today. Um, so we've got we've got an interview with Mason Wang, who is part of the New Prime Detention, and we are just about to call Mason now. Well, hi. Hi. Yep, so um, you're talking live on air with um, Queering the Air at 3CR Radio, that's 855 on AM dial, and we're joined with Mason, who is part of the No Prime Detention Float, uh, which was held at um, the City Mardi Gras this year, earlier this year in March. So Mason, perhaps if you could tell us, um, what was your involvement in the process? Um, I was a part of the No Pride in Detention Float, which basically uh, campaigned for the, like advocated for the rights of uh, queer refugees um, in offshore detention centres. Uh, and yeah, and basically we just wanted to bring that element of protest back into the Mardi Gras and um, advocate for the rights of all refugees and not just the white and privileged ones. Sorry, not all refugees, all queers and not just um, like white, male, privileged queers, I guess. Right. And um, what was the reception like? Um... From the public, we received mainly positive receptions, but um, there was some controversy that we uh, really didn't see coming. Um, so basically, Bill Shorten was there, and um, Bill Shorten was there, and, um, because Labour backs, um, well, at the time, Labour backs, um, you know, also detention centres, they still do, um, 
and so we protested it um, in front of him, um, and that really upset the organisers of um, the Mardi Gras right. um, parade, and um, yeah, and they threatened to uh, like cancel our float and take us out if we caused any trouble with um, you know the labour. Because um, in the original like um, procession, we were going to be placed right behind the labour float, um, and so we were m- moved three floats back because of what happened with the shop. Okay, and um, so um, the so the float wasn't actually cancelled. It just um, is, is that correct? Yeah, the float wasn't cancelled. Um, we still okay. got to march. Um, but we were accompanied by riot police and um, moved three floats back so that we weren't directly behind the labour float. Right, okay. And um, how important is this issue and why? Because um, I, I usually, when people talk about the refugee crisis, for example, we, um, it's very rare, we hardly ever hear in mainstream media about um, LGBT refugees, for example. Yeah, definitely. Um, like... Um, like, funnily enough, even though, um, like, two very prominent issues in the media right now are queer rights, um, as well as um, the rights of refugees, um, queer refugees aren't um, necessarily talked about a lot, and um, it is a huge issue because um, persecution for being um, lesbian, gay, etc., um, is one of the main reasons why people choose to escape, their, to flee their countries and seek um, shelter and protection from other countries. Yeah. Um, but this has made very hard for um, refugees who come to Australia because they are detained um, in offshore detention centres on um, Manus and Nauru and it's illegal in Papua New Guinea to be gay. Mm-hmm. So they can't really... In the documentation, they can't fill out um, that they're like seeking shelter for, um, you know, because of queer issues. Because um, they'll they'll basically be arrested if they do. So um, yeah, it's a catch. It's a real catch twenty-two. They can't like um, they can't you know be out because they'll be arrested. But at the same time, if they're not out then they can't really um, gain protection from Australia. Right. And also, you know, that's also ignoring that huge intersectionality of being both refugee, you know, a refugee and also a, a queer person. Definitely. And, um, um, sorry. Oh, um, I was just going to say that in recent years, the Mardi Gras has, well, not recent years, like just... Um, the, the Mardi Gras has always been quite prominently um, white and um, quite male-centric and um, basically there's still like hierarchies and privileges mm-hmm. within the queer community yeah. um, and the Mardi Gras is quite a privileged um, event. Um, so the point of our float was to show that, you know, if you're going to advocate for queer rights, then you're not just going to advocate for um, the rights of white queers, but also, um, like, people of colour and refugees um, and basically just acceptance for everyone. Right. 
And um, for, for our listeners, uh, what would you like them to know? Um, okay, so, um, so there was a petition at the time for um, two gay refugees, Nima and Ashkin, to um, be um, granted protection um, and, you know, allowed to stay in Australia. Um, and as of yet, I don't, I still think that they um, are unable to come to Australia. Um, and yeah, basically, while there has been more acceptance of um, queer issues and queer rights in recent years, um, it's quite privileged and um, the rights of uh, LGBTQIA plus identifying people um, in developing countries hasn't been as prominent and um, something to take in mind is that um, when advocating for um, queer rights it's necessary that it sort of be um, to um, advocate for the rights of all queers and not just um, queers in developed countries because, um, yeah, intersectionality. And how can people help um, given the situation? Um, definitely when, um, first of all, to not Did not when focusing on queer issues to not just think like um, first of all to not take part in pinkwashing, um, which is basically when um, organisations that are quite inhumane um, use queer issues sort of as like a cover for um, for all of the unethical things that they're doing, such as banks, um, for example, with gay TM. That's something that ANZ is doing. Um, like even though banks. Um, like some banks can be quite, um, some organisations are um, really terrible and inhumane in other areas. Like um, they're sort of using queer issues as a, like, I guess, um, as a facade to seem humane, um, sort of like in the public eye. Um, so definitely um, don't participate in pinkwashing. So, um, for example, Malcolm Turnbull turned up at the Mardi Gras. Um, however, he's, he still failed to pass marriage equality. Um, he's, he's very anti-safe schools. He's not progressive at all. So, like, um, so going to Mardi Gras was a way that he um, um, ultimately tried to pretend that he was pro-queer rights when he was not. And also, um, when campaigning for the rights of LGBT people, um, yeah, to really also campaign for issues such as um, offshore detention and how that's affecting refugees and, yeah. Right, and um, was there more support than negative lashback um, with this vote? Um, yeah, um, a positive thing that... Um, that resulted as a, um, that was a result of the controversy was that um, 
like even though at first there was a lot of like negative attention from um, the Labour Party and accusations of um, violence, even though there wasn't, um, it really highlighted the issues of queer refugees. And um, that's something that um, I think um, we're very like fortunate to have, just that attention because of the backlash. And um, it just sort of exposed how pinkwashed and um, white-centric the Mardi Gras was. So yeah, that's some that's like um, that's positive attention that has sort of come out of um, the event. Right. And um, may I just ask, like, how did you get involved, and do you have a reason why you got involved? Um, I am a member of the Young Greens, and um, as a part of the Greens, you know. Um, we're not just focused on policies. We're, sorry, we're not just focused on politics. We're also very focused on um, like activism, and um, it's very necessary that uh, there's um, that we are activists for um, refugee rights. So I got um, involved because of the political party that I'm a part of. Right. Yeah. Okay. And. Um... Did you feel unsafe at all any time during, um, during the Mardi Gras? Um, well, I personally was not, like, made to feel unsafe, but however, um, the, organize, the organizers of the Mardi Gras um, parade, um, like, when the incident with Bill Shorten happened, were, um, these organizers were very threatening and, and told, basically, um, Ed McMahon, who organised the parade, like that, basically we would not be in the fucking parade if, um, if like anything, if we did anything else um, to the Labour parade. And so, yeah, I think a lot um, of people in our float were quite shocked by that. And, um, yeah, and also there, we were surrounded by riot police for some reason and... Um, that made a lot of people feel unsafe. Right. And what what do you hope to happen afterwards? You know, after you've had after you've had the float and you've you know got the publicity, um, went all went on mainstream media. Uh, what are your hopes for the future now? Um. Well, the important thing is to not just raise awareness for like you know a certain period of time, but to have it like ongoing and to. Um, continue to take direct action and um, for issues um, like relating to um, queer people as well as refugees um, into the future and to really make sure to not back down from the fight until we achieve equality and um, equal rights for everyone. Yep. Thank you. Sounds great. Um, Mason Wang, that was Mason Wang, who was part of the No Pride in Detention float. Um, thank you for um, being on our show, and I really do appreciate your time um, coming in. It's all right. All right. Well, have a pleasant weekend. Thank you. All right. See you. Well, if you listen to Freesay, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to Freesay, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three C R, I sure know where you are. If you listen to three C R, clap your hands. If you listen to three C R, clap your hands. If you listen to three C R, clap your hands. If you listen to three C R, clap your hands. If you listen to three C R, clap your hands. If you listen to three C R, clap your hands. If you listen to three C
Welcome back to Crank the Air on 3CR Radio. It's 855 on your AM dial. We just spoke with Mei Wang, who was part of the No Pride in Detention Flood um, earlier this year in the Sydney Mardi Gras. Um, we're also going to cut through to a few songs, some of which do include um, strong language. Okay, you're back to listening to Querying the Year on 3CR Radio. That's 855 on your AM dial. So you just played two songs there. Uh, we had Tupac uh, with the song Changes, and we also had two uh, Filipino hip-hop American, uh, American hip-hop um, artists, Native Guns and Power Struggle with the song Hindi, sorry, Because Hindi Bala, which means rice, not bullets. So it's actually also the hashtag um, what activists use referring to the Kitapawan massacre, which happened earlier this month, actually, on April 1st, uh, where 5,000, sorry, I do apologize, March 30th, 2016, we had 5,000 farmers occupy the streets. Um, and on April 1, the police opened fire um, against the, you know, the protest of farmers who were against the fact that they were um, uh, not given resistant, drought-resistant crops and emergency food aid. And uh, we're also... Sorry, we've also got a few, series of interviews here um, regarding the um, the Bendigo the Bendigo, Bendigo Street uh, housing action. Yeah. So perhaps we'll start off with S- Spike. Hello, you're listening to 3CR. We're here at the Bendigo Street occupation organised by the Homeless Persons Union and community members. Um, we're just here with one of the members of the Homeless Persons Union, Spike. Um, would you just like to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's Spike. Um, I'm a member of the Homeless Persons Union and, yeah. In case you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, in case you didn't know, yeah. Um, would you like to talk a little bit about what's going on the last couple of days? Um, uh, during the last couple, well, we've reacted to the eviction of um, three young women who 
were asked to leave within 10 minutes by um, uh, government, I think it's Department of Land Infrastructure, one of those government departments. They were seen by Jim's mowing. The union was informed about that, what, that what had occurred and other people were concerned. Obviously other, the other groups here, the squatters and other community members and so we decided that we'd look into how many empty houses were actually in this street um, because they were here for maybe a week and they were turfed out really irresponsibly out into the street and so we thought it was really important that we found out exactly what was happening with these houses because of the, the housing crisis in this state. You know, it's out, it, we're talking people waiting 10 years on a 35,000 um, person list and 25,000 homeless people that were, and that's a conservative estimate, yeah. So it was important that we found out why houses were empty on this street. Yeah. And so then how did this, how did the continuation of the occupation start to take shape? Um, actually, uh, they, there was meetings at Hot Shots and there was meetings at 3CR um, where we, different groups got together because Unfortunately, the, the H, Homeless Persons Union on its own, we're, we're really sort of um, thin on the ground. And so without the support of everyone else, this, you know, this occupation wouldn't have, been, wouldn't have been possible. We wouldn't have been able to hold the house, you know, 16 or 18 that we were in um, uh, Wednesday, I think it was. And so we, we were able to hold that and decided that night that we were going to um, go home after the, the police came, um, kept us out there for four hours. We were trying to clear up who, who's managing the place. They, the real estate agents came and kept talking about their client. We knew it was the state government. They kept talking about their client and, you know, we waited for four hours and eventually they read out a statement asking us to leave. We got into the other house next door into 16 and then we decided at about 12 o'clock at night that we weren't going to stay there all night because we didn't want to be evicted when they thought it was okay. We decided it would happen on our terms so we came back the next Tuesday, I mean sorry Thursday and we got into, we got into the front of number two and that's where we are right now. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how you hope, what will, hope will come out of this occupation? Um, yeah, we, there's enough, at least five things we hope to come out of this that the government, the state government comes, comes clean on who, you know, who, who's managing these properties. On whose, on whose, and on whose behalf? Um, how many of the um, uh, uh, compulsorily acquired properties um, uh, are managed by the Magpie Nest? How many are managed by the government? Um, we want. Um, we you just let us know briefly, sorry to interrupt, who the Magpie Nest is, just for listeners that might not know. Yeah, Magpie Nest is a housing program run by the Salvation Army. Um, they were gifted uh, 20 properties, but um, through our contact with the, Colling the Magpie Nest, the Collingwood Football Club, they denied that any, they said that any empty house had nothing to do with them. 
the DHS is saying that they are running the properties. The police are saying that they're, the Magpie Nest are running the properties. So it's getting incredibly confusing right now. Um, so, yeah, what, what our demands are that they become public housing and we're not going to leave until we see the keys turned over to someone who's been home, that's been that one of the 35,000 people that's been on the public housing waiting list, that they all these empty houses be turned over to public housing, that the government make clear what their steps are going to be to house the 25,000 people that are homeless in Victoria right now in light of the fact that there's 80,000 empty properties in, this, in, in Melbourne. Um, we also want Martin Foley to come down and speak to homeless people and, for, and hear for himself what homeless people uh, are forced you know, what, what they're forced to do if they're squatting and what sort of conditions they're living in and, and how difficult it is to maintain a property when, you know, uh, uh, you know you, you're, you're, you're looking for food, health, um, health, you know, access to health, legal support and all the other sort of medical care and all the other stuff you need as a, a normal functioning human being, yeah? Thanks very much. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Um, just that it, this is, we're not leaving until um, these, these the, it becomes clear that the government has some sort of plan about housing people that have been homeless, that have been on the public housing waiting list and that they, these come, become uh, put on the pu public housing register. Yep. Thanks so much for talking with us. Thanks for talking to me. Cheers. All right, so for those tuning in, um, just a reminder that we were playing a series of interviews by the Bendigo Street um, Housing Action. Um, f from the Bendigo um, Street Housing <laughs> Action, and just by, like, community members and stuff. <laughs> right, and speaking um, of which, there is actually a Bendigo Street uh, party in Collingwood. It's at 2 Bendigo Street, Collingwood, um, for action on housing and homelessness. Mm. And it's happening now from from two until five so definitely get around there as yeah. soon as possible <laughs> um okay cool um we're gonna play a song now um it's called animals by coco rosie and this goes out to my friend jute <laughs> in brazil who probably isn't listening but that's okay You're listening to 3CR Radio. All right, so you're back listening on Querying the Air. That's on 3CR Community Radio. So we've just played Coco Rosie with the song Animals. And just a reminder for all those who are tuning in, we we're playing a series of interviews um, by taken by the... Um, the Housing and Homelessness Action at Bendigo Street. 
Which they do have a they do have a Bendigo Street Street party happening right now at Two Bendigo Street in Collingwood. Hi, you're listening to 3CR. We're here at the Bendigo Street occupation where the Homeless Persons Union of Victoria and community members have occupied an empty house to protest homelessness and the housing crisis in Melbourne. And we're here with one of the protesters and he's asked me to read out his responses. So, hi, what's your... Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Brandon James. How did you find out about this protest? How did you come to be here? I read about it on Facebook and I had to come down because I believe in public housing. Why do you think that this action is important? Because we all know that we have a housing crisis in Victoria. Statistics say that there are over 35,000 people on the 20-year waiting list for public housing and over 20,000 people homeless in Melbourne every night. And at the same time, there are over 80,000 empty properties in Melbourne. It's not rocket science. I dare Premier Andrews to be a leader and fix the public housing crisis, not just play politics to corporate interests. Thanks very much for being with us, Brandon. Thank you. Hi, listening to 3CR. We're here with some of the people at the Bendigo Street occupation. Would you like to introduce yourself? Joe Citizen. <laughs> G'day, Joe. Nice to meet you. Would you like to talk a little bit about why you're supporting the Bendigo Street occupation? Um, because any action that um, supports people um, taking autonom autonomous acts against um, cultural concepts like um, property, um, I will generally engage with. Do you want to say any more about how you think, why you think this action is important? I think it's very important because it's a, it's just a, like a really simple hole to point out in like the government's welfare system, which it claims to um, make available for everyone. So when there's obviously lots of homeless people on the street and there's lots of housing that's owned by the government and it's not being utilised, there's a, there's an obvious gap to point out there. Um, it could be taken further, obviously. Um, because there should be no homeless people on the street and uh, the government has an obligation to um, house its citizens. However, um, if it doesn't do that, then we also have the obligation to just uh, do that ourselves, which people here are doing. So I will support it. Thanks very much for talking with us. No worries. You're listening to 3CR. We're here at the Bendigo Street occupation in Collingwood where the Homeless Persons Union and community members are occupying empty houses in Bendigo Street in Collingwood to protest the number of empty houses promised by the state government to homeless people in the middle of a public housing crisis. And the, we're here with um, one of the people that's um, here at the protest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Oh yeah, my name's Lewis. I'm just an engineer, work for the water utility. Um, and I've just come down yesterday night and this morning. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what's been going on the last couple of days? Um, yeah, so my understanding is that some people have been evicted from one of the one of the vacant houses up the road, and in response to that, some people have taken it on themselves to occupy one of the other houses um, to protest the fact that these houses and many many others around Melbourne are lying empty, totally livable. While yeah, you know, there are twenty five thousand people sleeping rough every night, and it's really. The, job of the government is one of the things it's meant to do is to house its citizens and it's failing spectacularly at the moment. 
Do you want to um, talk a bit about why you think that it's important that this action is happening? Um, I guess you have already kind of talked a little bit there already, but just if you wanted to go a bit more into depth. Yeah, well, I think it's just something that people... It's not in the media very much. You know, it's very easy for the government to ignore public housing. Um, and I think... Um, yeah, I think there's 30,000 people on the waiting list for public housing. And I think I was reading in the paper the other day that the government committed something like 100 or 60 new new houses in the last, the last budget. Um, and it doesn't really take a lot of thought to realise that that's sort of woefully inadequate. Um, and obviously this is just one street, this is just half a dozen houses, but these are houses that the government owns and they're not doing anything with. And I guess hopefully people are starting to say, well, we're just going to draw a line a line here. And, and hopefully it starts at this street, but yeah, there's obviously a lot more. It's a huge, it's a large-scale issue that needs a large-scale response. But this street is just a great example of the total failure of the government to do anything about the problem. Yeah, cool. Thanks very much for talking with us. Yeah, no worries, thanks. Hi, listening to 3CR and we're here at the Bendigo Street Occupation where the Homeless Persons Union of Victoria and community members have occupied an empty house in Bendigo Street, Collingwood to protest against the lack of public housing and the homelessness crisis. We're here with someone at the house. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hey there, I'm Sam. Um, yeah, I came along to support this. Yep. Thanks. Great. N nice to meet you, Sam. Would you like to talk a little bit about why you think this action is important, why you're supporting yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I feel like if there's so many homeless people and yet so many more empty houses, it's something we must make a point of, one, highlighting, and two, taking action to put these homeless people into these empty houses that the government own and are sitting on. Yeah. 80,000 empty houses. <laughs> um, is there anything else you'd like to say? Um like get involved in any way you can whether it's bringing along pillows or blankets or coming along just to show your support that's awesome like it takes community to support this kind of thing yeah so people can find out more and get involved um if you look up homeless persons union victoria on google you can find their website and the facebook and also just drop down here to bendigo street so it's which number is it i think this might be two to but Bendigo Street. Anyway, yeah, you can't miss it. Bendigo Street in Collingwood in Melbourne. All right, thanks very much for talking with us. No worries. Cheers. That's right. This is Brother West from the American Empire trying to keep alive the legacy of John Coltrane, Curtis Mayfield, Nina Simone, and I am so glad you are listening to 3CR because 3CR is a force for good. It's telling the truth and allows you both to laugh, not at but with others. Oh, what a grand radio station it is okay so that concludes uh the serious interviews that we've just played um that was taken at the bendigo street um action for housing and homelessness um so we're going to go through a few songs yeah uh did you want to announce yeah sure <laughs> so we've One got of the songs? yeah so you know so we've got um a youtube artist um she uploads her art on um on youtube so it's called video vox um, she does a lot of different Indian and English remixes of, of a lot of pop songs, and we've also got MIA coming at you. <laughs>
Freedom, I don't meet them. Where's your freedom? This one needs a brand new freedom. Weed and the key. Weed and the key them to life. Let's beat them. Weed them smartphones, don't beat them. Okay, you're back listening to Querying the Air on 3CR Community Radio. Uh, we just played uh, Video Vox's um, English remix of a Kerala boat song, a traditional Kerala boat song called, called Kutadan Punjai 